This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does, he scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and much more. Sets up Molino, back to Boldy, shoots, and scores! The BC Kid returns home and scores his first. Goes to work for the Wild, centers one, Erickson Eck with a shot, he scores! Jewel Erickson Eck, he's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Buck. Hello and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. It is Wednesday, April 13th, one day following the best day of the year. Uh, Brett Marshall with you as always, joined alongside by Justin Baki and Zeke Boyat. Another week closer to the postseason. Lots of wild stuff to talk about on today's show. A fun draft toward the end of the show, so make sure you stick around for that. But before we get into all the good stuff today, got to check in with the fellas as we always do. Zeke, my friend, how you doing on this somewhat gloomy Wednesday evening? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm doing pretty good. Obviously, like you said, it's been, uh, you know, we've had like two days that it's been nice last month, and it's very tantalizing, but, you know, you think it might snow tomorrow, so that's going to suck, but... uh, yeah, no. Other than that, I'm doing doing good. Obviously, you know, watching hockey. It was at the game on Sunday, which is fun. Going again this Sunday on Easter, I believe. So it, it's been a good week. Uh, just uh, yeah, not not of the ordinary. Just a good week. And Justin, what about you, man? I'm doing well. Uh, had a couple of days off here yesterday. Stayed home from work because the kids were not feeling well. But uh, doing better today. Got a, the oldest a haircut and myself a haircut and uh, baseball. Baseball practice have been getting canceled because of the weather lately, so we're just kind of waiting on baseball season to start. And, and we'll be running around even more between hockey, dance, and baseball. But uh, maybe it's a good thing that that's getting pushed a little further so some <laughs> of these hockey camps get, get finished before we hit baseball season. Yeah, the life, of a, the life of a dad with a bunch of kids in sports, tis the season. Yeah. Um, spring's like the intersection of so many different sports seasons too. So, yeah, uh, yeah so um, this is – Normally, the spot where we talk about the prospect update, so that's what we're going to do. So, Justin, we'll uh, kick it to you for uh, what's going on with the prospects. All right. I think I'll start with Iowa Wild this week. Uh, they beat the Texas Stars in overtime and then beat them 3 to nothing last weekend, which puts them into a playoff position for now. They've had kind of a down year, a tough year, but it's good to see them jump into the playoff spot. Hopefully they can stay there. A couple of things, a couple of players having some really good seasons. Mitchell Chafee, he has 12 points in his last eight games. He picked up 
some points in that series. And then Marco Rossi picked up uh, an assist in that last game, which ties him for the rookie record points record for the Iowa franchise. So uh, they're playing tonight against Milwaukee Admirals, which is Nashville's AHL team. Uh, hoping to see him break that record. I, I don't know if it, it's probably not a record in terms of Houston, but I'm just kind of counting Iowa right now. So yeah, I mean, I don't can't really think of who may or may not have done it in Houston. Um, no, not not without looking. It yeah. have to be a little research project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and obviously the other notable sod, not quite a wild prospect, almost a wild prospect, uh, Ben Myers of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, who were eliminated by the Min- Minnesota State University Mankato Mavericks in the Frozen Four. Um, has decided to, uh, much like Ryan Hartman, give a big middle finger to everybody and not come to his hometown, Minnesota Wild, and he is going off to the Colorado Avalanche. So um, he will get the booze from me when he comes back and plays in Minnesota. Uh, Whenever that is, he'll get the booze, rightfully deserved. How dare you? This is treason. Uh, Just, I'm speechless. I can't believe he'd do that. Oh, yeah, he just stays a rival for me being a gopher and then an avalanche. It's just... Yeah. Sorry, Gophers fans. I'm... No, yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, I said this on Twitter. His one of us card is like Eric Johnson. Is you know, it's revoked. It's uh, if you signed with any other team, I don't think people would have gave a shit. Really, I don't think. No, <laughs> of course, no, because you look at Russo's tweet. There's like 200 replies of people. It's like no, <laughs> any yeah, other team. Kind of came out of left field. I, I never really heard of the Avalanche being interested, but right. I guess. With yeah. a ton of teams being interested, uh, it was always a possibility. Yeah, and rich there was the, the question that arose of, like, why, right? Like, mm-hmm. the only thing that came to my mind was, I believe Nazem Kadri's contract is up at the end of this year. So the yeah. only, like, selling point I can really think of is, like, hey, you're going to be our 2C next year. But part of me is, like, that's a lot to promise a kid who's, you know, was a good college player, but you know, how Mm -hmm. often do we see college players come in and be like really good impact players? I mean, Nico Sturm, a great example of a, of a college free agent who got signed, but he's a bottom six guy, right? He was a good, highly coveted, like top three college free agent at the time. Like I'm not saying Ben Myers doesn't have a bigger sin than Nico Sturm, but I'm just saying like, however, I don't know how teams were pitching him, but um, I just I'd, I'd like to know what the Avalanche pitched to him. We'll probably never yeah. find out, but right. it's just a very it was an interesting destination. It's not where I would have projected him. Right. Well, oh. I mean, it's kind of weird too because they have Alex Newhook also at center. So, you know, yeah. but uh, right. I mean, I'm sure he's a good player. And I mean, I think Russo was saying that the Wild he he was on with uh, Jeff Merrick today. Basically, said he thought they'd be really disappointed if they didn't get him because apparently they thought of him as like a late first round talent. But yep. I mean. You know, I mean, who who knows? It's not, I mean, you know, maybe I think someone pointed this out. Uh, maybe part of that is, you know, some of these guys think that uh, they're too deep with, you know, too much talent, which, I mean, you know, which is not a bad problem. But, you know, hey, I mean, obviously it's uh, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. It would have been nice to have that uh, extra guy, especially with the cap hit next year. But, I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. All right. Well, another thing that this does is give – one of these Iowa guys, a chance for a call-up, too, with the Greenway injury. I'll kind of finish the prospects thing in a sec here. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you, I just talked about how Chafee's doing, how Rossi's doing. Even Mason Shaw, he was our prospect of the week. He's had six points in four games. He's He's been man on fire, too. So, yeah, maybe Connor Dewar, even. I mean, these guys that I put in the work all year for Iowa and had good seasons will 
get the opportunity. Yeah, and I would say yes, it, it even goes beyond this year too, right? It you mm-hmm. know you kind of wondered, right? What does a what does a call up like that do for uh, for a Brandon Duhame or a Connor Dewar? You know, I don't think there was much speculation about Marco Rossi, but I think it adds some clarification to him. You know, having one of those top three center spots because um, we still don't know. I mean, Myers center for the U, but it could have been a boldly situation where maybe he's a player you move to the wing, um, things like that too. So I think it opens up, just like you said, some opportunities, not only this year, but I think into the next couple of years as well. Right. Sure. Now I'll kind of continue on the prospects thing. We can uh, move along if you want. Um, yeah. Kind of just season's wrapping up. There's nothing really college going on now with the Ben Myers thing. And then the SHL or, or we'll go with the SHL. Uh, Lilia advanced, so Walsett hasn't gotten a start yet, but maybe he'll get a chance in this next series. Uh, the Swedish Hockey League is in the playoffs. Or no, I just did Swedish Hockey League. I was thinking of Liga, sorry. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, Simon Johansson's team, Ilves, they moved on to the semifinals. I believe they're down one nothing in the series, but so far he's got six points in eight playoff games. It would be nine playoff games now, so doing pretty well. Seems like uh, every week I'm able to touch on him. So, yeah. who knows? Hopefully, the Wild maybe they'll add him into Iowa next year. Uh, a couple other guys doing well. Pavel Novak. Let's see. Pavel Novak had a five point week in four games, and then uh, Ryan O'Rourke had six assists in three games. And then the the last thing I'm touching on, uh, Marat, who's Nadina, picked up an assist last game against Siska. They ended up losing. He's got four points in 15 playoff games. Seems like his role has been kind of hit or miss, but maybe we'll see it elevated next year with his new contract. Yeah. And then I would say the other interesting thing, too, you may have seen on Michael Russo's feed. It sounds like the Wild have a goal to get uh, Jesper Wallstedt signed once his season in the SHL wraps up, so definitely something to monitor. Um, you know, prospect we're very excited to get in the system, probably get some reps in Iowa and just kind of, you know, get a feel for where he might be at um, in terms of, you know, is he a year, you know, if you see him play well, he could be a year away. If not, you know, maybe he's two years away. But, right. um, you know, we've seen these goalies, the Spencer Knights and, and people of that caliber, you know, kind of make that jump within a year or two. So definitely exciting to hopefully maybe have Jesper Wallstad as, a, as an Iowa Wild here sooner rather than later. Right. And, you know, it is what it is. It's a list, but Craig Button had him number six on his list for uh, top prospect right now. Yeah, I think Rob- we're going to not talk about that list. Yeah, was- we, we, won't, <laughs> we won't talk about that, but it's good to yeah. see a goaltender prospect be in the top ten on, yeah. you know, just pretty much everyone's list. So. Yeah. That was one of his good takes, but he had, he had Rossi yeah. and other that very good mean. players like Alexander Holtz and very talented players and people like Brennan Offman who's like, who? Like the, the guy mm-hmm. that got taken mm-hmm. after Wallstead, like above Rossi, it's like, um, yeah. Do you watch the AHL or do you just watch yeah. the dub um, or the O, like up in Canada? There, yeah. like, jeez. It's a uh, yeah. No, have the lists are those. Uh, those lists tend not to be, you know, even from the experts tend not to be maybe the most, uh, I guess, accurate. But I will say, I think the other interesting thing about Wallstead quickly is that uh, whether or not you know, with World Juniors being played. And I guess I'd assume that they wouldn't want him playing that tournament if they do sign him. But, you know, I also wonder, you know, if... Uh, yeah, I, I guess that's just intriguing question. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they would. Assuming they would... Sweden national team obviously would want him, but I wonder... Uh, you got to think, too, that... In, in my mind... 
No, go ahead, Justin. I would say it'll get him reps, and Iowa's season is, is getting close to an end, so if something, mm-hmm. God forbid, did happen, he'd have an offseason to recover, but I, I try not to think that way. It'd be good to get the reps against some of that top talent, I think. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Zeke, for sure. Yeah, I, I think they'd let him. I mean, if unless he's yeah. your plan at backup next year in the NHL, which I highly, highly doubt is yeah. the case, um, I don't know why you wouldn't let him go play. I mean, every other player's got a chance. They were going to let, you know, O'Rourke Hunt, all those players kind of similar age go play as well. So unless mm-hmm. the, he has like a really big role, I mean, I'd be more hesitant to send a skater than a goalie. Like it takes a lot for a goalie to get, you know, knock on wood, but a season ending type of injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not something I think that I'd be too overly concerned about. No, I think the team will, but definitely something to monitor to see if he gets that call or not, because yeah. He was dominant in those first couple games they did play um, back in December. I guess it also depends on, I know he's backing up right now, but kind of what they feel about his injury before where they weren't sure how serious it serious it was mm-hmm. and he just ended up being back in the lineup, but uh, he hasn't gotten a start since then. So it, it'd be good to get the reps, but if, if he's injured and just backing up, then, I mean, I guess depends on how that situation is, but I guess if he's backing up, he's healthy. Yeah, well, that'll do it for prospects. Uh, so there's a couple things to monitor here. Is there, most of the prospects' seasons kind of continue to wrap up with the NHL in full swing. A wild uh, three games this time since our last recording. Uh, so one less to talk about than the last two shows, which will be <laughs> nice. Um, do you guys want to start with Edmonton or do you want to start with St. Louis? Do you want to work most recent to from the last show or should we go from the furthest away from, from today? I'll, I'll we'll go from furthest, go first. furthest away yeah. to today so we can go lost to win-win. All right. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. So, good uh, St. Louis, another big divisional game on Friday night. Um, the wild kind of choke it away late, end up losing um, four, three mm-hmm. in overtime. Um, Jordy Ben getting cooked um, to, from the tying goal along the boards, this supposed physical play. He missed a check, even though he had the angle, um, and then went and beat Talbot, who maybe didn't have his best night, um, only one of his two losses in the last 13 games, so we'll give him a pass on that one. Um, and then just in overtime, just some questionable plays with a Kaprizov kind of wrister from the blue line at the end of his shift, and then Freddie Goudreau kind of losing track of, I believe it was Robert Thomas who ended up scoring the game winner, um, just kind of losing track of him on, on the play that turned the other way that led to the goal, but... All in all, they still got you know a really important point in that game, and um, still one more. I think they still have one more game to go with it against them this year. But overall, I didn't think it was a it was too bad of a game. No, I mean it, I agree. I think obviously the first period, uh, you know, when they got called for a couple penalties, um, obviously controversial. I mean, the first one it looked like Braden Shen tripped himself, and then obviously the you know the Kazari antics. But I mean, and obviously Fuck that it was. Guy. Another penalty kill. Yeah, no, we don't we don't need to get in too much him. It's just obviously he has a vendetta with them, which is fine. But I mean obviously you start out bad, you know, allowing a power play goal to St. Louis. It was another one, you know, tic tac right through the middle of the ice there, side to side, which the Wild have had seemed to have trouble stopping for whatever reason. But uh, I mean I think I agree with you after that, Brett. They they played it well I and mean, obviously Fiala tied it and then uh, you know, then they went up three to one. It, you know, it wasn't obviously like you said, it, it sucked to well, that three to one lead, but I think, you know, especially after having that uh, game in Nashville, where they got beat six to two, you know, despite playing okay, you know, the way that previous game went, I thought, you know, even with the loss, 
you know, obviously sucks to, you know, you want the two points, uh, especially in regulation against the team you're fighting with for in your own division. But, you know, I think, you know, it sucked to lose, but I thought it was a, you know, it was a good step forward, I guess, from the way they had played in Nashville. They got back to, for the most part, more to, you know, how they play well and and back to the basics of what makes them good. Yeah, I overall didn't think it was that bad of a game up until they started to blow it. It's, you know, pretty even game numbers overall. Again, it was it was frustrating to get the loser point after being up 3-1 and, and letting St. Louis get the extra point, especially when now we're tied for points. And <clears throat> yes, we have a game in hand, but uh, you want to get every point you can, especially against these teams that are right around us. It's, yeah. you know... Again, good to get the point, but you wanted to get two in regulation would have been, yeah, ideal. Yep. I mean, I think this. I mean, this time of year, it's kind of like you know, if you're gonna lose, lose in overtime. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Excuse me. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I don't think we need to do too much on that game, other than kind of the points we hit on. So, let's move next into uh, Sunday's game against the LA Kings and. uh, this one was a wild ride. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you start off flowers in net while they're, you know, coming off a loss. And I don't even know how quick. I think it might have been within the first 10 minutes of the game. Yeah, LA scores yes. not once, not twice, but three times. Um, and I was sitting there going, well, the Masters are on. I'm, you know, I might just turn the game <laughs> off and watch the Masters because this game is over. And then all of a sudden the Wilds say, oh, wait, 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 hold on here. Um, we need the end of the second period. And then I believe it was um, Kaprizov and then Boldy on back-to-back shots to end the period. And then Jared Spurgeon, the first shot of the second. Um, so three consecutive shots. The Wild come back, tie it up, and never look back. Went on to score three more times en route to a 6-3 to three win. 11 of the 18 skaters with points, including two-point games from Jake Middleton, Jared Spurgeon, and Matt Boldy, who was in his first game back. A goal assist, .45 individual expected goals and a 54.7% um, expected goal share in his return to the lineup. So, well, And he's apparently still playing somewhat injured, too. So it uh, could have could have fooled me. Um, it was a good return turn for Boldy, who um, I think was much welcomed back to the lineup as well by Kevin yeah. Fiala, um, yeah. who picked up an assist as well. But it was great to see that team battle back because after that loss, St. Louis, and they gave up three, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, no, here we go. Yeah, well, in the back of my head, I was like, are we going to go on another slide here? Like, this isn't the right time of year to be mm-hmm. doing this. No, it's like down three nothing, so mad, and then two goals in fifty seconds apart. I was like, all right, I can do, I can, I can continue to watch this. I mean, I probably would have turned it off anyways, but to get those two goals, like you mentioned, was huge. And I don't know if, if we don't score those goals, the game might not go as it went. But from that point on, we just kind of put an ass kicking on them, and and uh, yeah, just took the game over. Yeah, no, I think you know, I mean, just to before I get into it, I mean, I think it was. Uh... The other point, it was really cool that they did the, uh, you know, obviously with Kaprizov, but the first TV timeout, they, you know, gave the announcement that he broke the points record. It was kind of like yeah. when he got his 100th point, they, uh, you know, everyone was clapping for him. I mean, the whole place standing up it was really cool, but they, you know, he's kind of sitting there, obviously, you know, smiling, kind of, you know, like a lot of hockey players doesn't like the spotlight, but he's trying to get on the bench, but they, you know, closed the door and basically said, no, go back out there. <laughs> so that, was, that was pretty funny, but, but really cool, obviously. And, and I think, you know, obviously, that was kind of a game. It's I, I saw a tweet. I can't remember where that uh, people find it just hilarious when you know teams are getting their ass kicked like that, and they just decided to know or you know, hey, we're not going to suck anymore. And obviously, you know, he's 
Caruso scores the power play goal. A bit luck trying to center pass to Eck, but you know, usually that's the kind of bounce you need to get back into the game and uh, you know, really get a chance. And I'll be honest, I mean, like I said, I was there and to, for whatever reason, maybe it's just this team this year, even though it was three nothing, I thought, you know, I, I don't know, I wasn't too freaked out is the word because you know, obviously they scored shorthand goal a minute in, that sucked. But I thought after they went down one thing, they had a few good shifts, uh, you know, where they controlled the puck. And I, and I, I just simply thought that they just weren't getting a couple of saves from Mark Andre Fleury when they needed them. And, but I, I do remember though, when it was three, nothing at the TV timeout, it was a, uh, it was star Wars night and they had the R two D two down at the, with the game day host. And they had you know make noise uh, to try to get the pump, but crowd pumped up. And he was supposedly saying, let's go wild. And it was, it's pretty much dead, so that it was kind of cringe. But yeah, no, <laughs> it's like, oh, great! The statue made a couple of noises. Like that's gonna get everybody pumped. But like you said, Justin, uh, obviously you get the two goals with 50 seconds through there. It was, you know, uh, it, I mean, like so everyone knows it was pretty much uh, all wild from then on out. And I th- thought, uh, you know, everyone was pretty good. I thought, like you said, Fiala and Boldy were fantastic together. You know, they could have probably scored every time they're on the ice, but. And uh, yeah, no, I, I thought. I mean, I thought everyone was, for the most part, uh, you know, aside from the first period, mostly everybody in the team was uh, played a pretty damn good overall. Yeah, yeah I, and and when I look, if, if what I see correctly on the game sheet, LA scored three times in their first five shots of the game, and then uh, after that, so five shots, and then Mark Andre Fleury stopped the next twenty. What yeah. would that be? Nine, I think. 20, yeah, I think it'd be the next twenty-nine shots. Um, finished the game with 34 shots and actually finished the game with a 0.11 goal save above expected. Um, so made up later on in the game with some big saves throughout and um, well, the offense came through and even heard in the post game, Evison was like, yeah, I, you know, I thought about taking him out, ends up keeping him in and Flurry kind of bounces back and the team kind of picks him up. And it's just, you know, again, it's just the team's resiliency to come back, score six unanswered and say, Hey, we got your back, Mark. You know, we, we, we got, we got your back, Flower. Like we, you know, we started off like crap, and and that's on us. And Flurry said, "There's two of those. He felt like he should have had two. So just the onus was on everyone, and they all owned up to it. Come back and and win and get a critical two more points, um, in the standings. So that was really good yeah. to see. I also want to bring up. I think my favorite part of the game was when Bugestad scored that goal, the sixth goal, and then Duheim ended up Duheim ended up fighting Lemieux. What a clown my that favorite, guy is. My, my favorite no. part of that that whole scenario was Middleton's face after it all happened. He just like, that shit grin that he had, just... Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I watched that, that gif over probably 50 times over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, that was great, too, because you could see on the replay, Bukes coming around the net going, and you could see his mouth going, what the F? <laughs> what just happened? And I think he had, a you know, another note, uh, he had a really good game, too. Uh, I thought, you know, and got roared with the goal scoring. But yeah, no, that, that was a, you know, it's a pretty good out of context, uh, wild picture with Lemieux just deciding to just lay down on top of Eck and yeah. literally watch his team get scored on. Yeah, he, seven. He had ten <laughs> minutes of ice time. Had seven minutes in penalties. Pretty sure the Wild scored on the goal, or, or scored a power play goal on one of his penalties. I, I, I would imagine his underlying analytics in the game were crap too. Like, yeah, he's. Why a team continues to put a guy like that on the ice, like, I think it was even said, like, there's, like, some of the L.A. teammates, like, don't even, like, to really stick up for the guy. Like, it doesn't sound like he's a he's a very good teammate. He's not a very good hockey player. Like, 
it's just not good. And he's just <laughs> it's kind of funny when a team just shits all over him. <laughs> yeah, no, it's I think maybe part of it's maybe his maybe his name or the fact that he was he was like thirty second pick, so he was basically a first round pick, so those guys get the longer leash. But yeah, no. As Russo said, uh, you know, at least you know, the difference between him and his dad is one of them was actually a good player. So. Right. Yep. <laughs> Twitter after. Yeah. Those two nights in a row we shit on players that aren't really fan favorites or teammate favorites. Yeah. So let's get to that next game. Uh last night, a big birthday win for the Wild for me. Um, and for the squad, they take on the Edmonton Oilers, who they basically like the Oilers gotta start paying rent to the Wild or something because they just the Wild absolutely completely own them. They have throughout their franchise and continued it last night. Um as in just a five to one route of the Oilers who racked up with two of the high two of the highest goal scorers in the league wrapped up a whopping 1.63 expected goals in all situations last night on 28 shots 61 shot attempts the wild had 21 block shots three each from Jonas Brodine and Jared Spurgeon who were fantastic all night shutting down Connor McDavid who I think finished the game with like three shots on goal um Drysdale does get the goal on the power play um, but other than that, like this team just played, played wonderful. The Capri soft line scores twice, um, has a 94.5% expected goal share at five on five. The Fiala line scores twice. They had a 75% expected goal share, um, two goals on three shot attempts, um, and 0.45 expected goals. So wasn't a lot in quality or quantity, but they made them count, got some goals. Uh, Kevin Fiala, great plays on both of them. Just some absolutely legendary shifts Kaprizov played hard uh but the story of the game by far and away is number 38 Ryan Hartman who has pretty much become I think one of the most loved players across the league um at this point um a little skirmish late in the game um this is after Ryan Hartman's already scored twice in the game by the way um Kyler Yamamoto Kirill Kaprizov get into it a little bit couple cross checks Kane comes in to defend Yamamoto Gives Kirill a shot to the to the back with the stick, and Ryan Hartman took some extreme exception to it. Um, pulled the Marcus Foligno Superman punch into Kane. Tried to fight him. The refs broke it up. Um, whole whole mod podge of action. And then uh, while the refs are splitting him up, uh, Ryan Hartman flips the bird <laughs> to Evander Kane. Uh, much to the joy of of Twitter and gifts and videos everywhere. Um, says after the game it was well worth it. Gets slapped with a forty eight hundred dollar fine. Uh, for the antics, which that's a joke. You can punch each other's faces in and hit guys yeah. from behind, curse like a <laughs> sailor, but oh, you throw your finger out. Well, that's where we draw the line right there. Can't be having that. Because imagine trying to explain to your kids why that guy's flicking them off. But you see, see, Johnny, if you get mad at someone, you can punch him in the face all you want, but don't you dare give him the middle finger. That's the NHL's logic. Um, there's my rant for yeah. you. But. Uh, Just teach them to do both because you're going to get fined. <laughs> yeah, right. You're going to get fined either way. So. <laughs> um, and it ends today yeah, with um, Ali Cook, a uh, good friend of the show and, and all over the wild Twitter universe, um, finding Ryan Hartman's Venmo. And I, I don't know how much. I don't know if there's a, if someone took the time to calculate it. Um, but included um, just fans donating to Ryan Hartman um, to pay off the fine in, in the true state of hockey way. Amongst the donors included Evander Kane's ex-wife, who threw in $200. Um, so just a great story. It sounds like um, Hartman's already paid the fine. I wouldn't be surprised if the Wild organization even picked up the fine. And it sounds like all the funds being sent to Hartsey, 
um, are being sent to a charity that will be talked about tomorrow. So just a fun yeah. game between yeah, the five to one win, the dominance of the star players, the shutdown of McDavid and Drysital, and then of course Ryan Hartman becoming a living legend among the uh, hockey Twitter sphere. Well, I will say I think uh, you know Roos did an article which you know on the Athletic which I'll read about this today, but I think at the time you already said there. Hartman told him there was 400 donations or 400 uh, people Venmoing him. So I would imagine it was. And if you assume at $10 a person, there's your fine pretty much right there. And I'm sure sure there was more. um, And it it wasn't just wild fans. There was Blues fans, Vegas fans, fans crossed the whole NHL. (laughs) Like he's. Vander Kane is like widely one of the most hated players in the league. So. Yeah. No, I mean, the comments were probably the best part too. You know, everyone was like a middle finger emoji or. You know, don't touch Krill was another one. The bird and, fund. Yeah. <laughs> I liked um I liked the for the culture. I thought it was a good one too. Um people had Oh yeah. No, it was it was a, I don't know, it was it was uh it was just you know, obviously it's just hilarious that the first of all that uh you know, people took the time to go out and find his gold fund or his uh you know, his Venmo account and send him all that money. But uh, it'll be I'm interested to see, like you said, how much, you know, really was a. Uh, actually put in there but hey it was you know it's a it's it's that's the great thing that you mentioned but it's basically a meme or a gif that'll be uh used for many different purposes in many different ways for probably till the end of the you know end of time pretty much because it's i mean what's you know it's the guy giving a middle finger to another guy in the middle of a scrum on the ice with and i think that's the other funny thing is that the ref too Maybe it's because he knows he's going to get fined for it or doesn't want to do it. But the second his hand goes up to the finger, the ref just goes down to drag his hand down. It's like <laughs> it's like the ref's okay with the players telling, like you mentioned, Brett, telling. Yeah, you can, you can tell I got to fuck off. Himself, like, I'm sure there's finger, other obscenities no, no, thrown at one another, no, and that's fine. No. <laughs> it's okay. But Yeah, that's just, yeah. No, that's NHL. We don't need to explain that yeah. more often. But, yeah, no. I will say the other thing thing that pissed me off in that game most was Koskinen decided to make a save for once when oh. he subbed the between the legs because he's came oh, so close yeah. on that he's, like he's, five times convert. this year and when it when it I happens I, I, I don't know if we're prepared for the reaction it's going to get I think the internet will explode if that happens when yeah. it happens like the Minnesota Twitter like servers might crash <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing but it will become a thing and it'll happen yeah yeah but we'll find out I mean, I like the screenshots that they showed the you know, showing the replay from ice level. You see all the people behind there just about to lose their shit. Yeah. When you see the puck sort of in that, it's like, oh, yeah. God, it's so good. On so another good. note, I think we're going to have to put an explicit tag on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, keep, I keep them on there anyway. That way, if something slips right. up, I don't got to go. That's true. It. It's a family <laughs> show, but. Eh. Yeah. And if we swear, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to talk about, too, how excellent Brodeen was. He's. Mm-hmm. He's such an elite defender, Him underrated really overall. Like terrific yeah. last night. It's like Nick David didn't have an answer for Brodeen, and then on the flip side, the Oilers didn't have an answer for our ninety-seven. So it was, it was really fun to watch. So who, who's the real best ninety-seven? That's the question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Jonas Brodeen finishes yeah. the game with a seventy-seven and a half percent expected goal share, for a large chunk of which he spent shadowing Connor McDavid. Like that's, that's just, just insane. He's so I good. Know. Yeah, it's it's it is hard to believe. I mean, you know, it's a wild show that I just when I've watched when we've watched them play them this year, it's hard to believe that they've won forty one games with that goaltending and that defense. Yeah, like I don't get you it. Watch Duncan Keith. Oh, just, he was horrible. Like, what did they see mm-hmm. in him? Like, they could have kept Kulikov. And Literally put. Um, 
Freddie Goudreau, like, great centering pass from behind the net, like, right on the tape, like, perfect. <laughs> Scores. Uh, yeah. And it's then like, just he did the same thing to Fiala. He didn't score. Koskinen made the save. Yeah, but... it's like. It was almost they kept repeating the same thing. I do love seeing the Blackhawks and anything that was associated with the Blackhawks just getting destroyed this year. It's been a truly delightful sight. It's been great. For sure. sure. But, uh, you know, if there was a bad um, that came from this game, it was um, an injury to Jordan Greenway, who it sounds like he may have re-aggravated um, an injury that had popped up earlier this year. And we talked, I believe it was last week's show, just about how impressed we were with the improvement of Jordan Greenway and the importance he brought mm-hmm. to that um, to that third line um, with Erickson Eck and Felino. And I think we saw that line at times struggle a little bit as they were kind of filling guys in. It, it was, I think it's just kind of a mix of Fiala Kaprizov and I think Tyson Jost got um, some looks there as well throughout the game but just a bummer to see him go down it doesn't sound like he's going to make this two-game road trip so not a day-to-day thing maybe potentially more like a week-to-week thing um but just a shame to see greener go down because like we you know he's just been playing so well um it seems like he's starting to kind of finally starting to finally find you know some some rhythm and just to get hurt again it's just it just sucks yeah Yeah, i mean yeah go ahead justin sorry i'll say it does suck but uh, i guess the one good thing is i mean we have players that can pick them up. We got the depth to pick them up. And then I'd rather have it. I mean, I don't want it to happen at all, but I'd rather have it happen now rather than closer to the playoffs, which, you know, it's coming up soon, but to hopefully get him and like Dumba back before the playoffs would be ideal and maybe let them rest up a little bit. Yeah. No, I think I agree. I mean, I guess we don't know how serious it is, but I mean, I, I guess it's maybe not a horrible guess to say that if this happened in the middle of a playoff series, he's probably he probably would have played the rest of the game. I mean, I guess it, it depends, but I, th- I think that's just the you know what you guys said. That's the key. If he's as long as he's ready in a week and a half and is you know is not in danger of you know seriously rehurting himself, you know that's the most important thing. Obviously, you know, like you said, it sucks to be missing him because when that line is on, you know that you know as everyone knows, we've talked about for two years now that they set the tone and the way that you know, on the power player, just when they're in the offensive zone, the way that you can just, you know, I mean, basically it's impossible to knock those guys off the puck when they have it. I mean, they have to give it away. So that's going to be too bad, especially going into Dallas and St. Louis this weekend. But uh, yeah, like you said, uh, you know, as long as, you know, since their playoff spot is pretty much wrapped up as long he's, I mean, I don't want to jinx it, but I think that's safe to say as long as he's ready in two weeks, uh, that's, you know, that's the most important thing here. Yeah, for sure. And I think this begs the question now is, you know, obviously the Wild have injuries to to John Merrill, to Matt Dumba, uh, Jordan Greenway. Um, is there another forward? Oh, Delorier out as well. So um, I don't know when Delorier is going to be back. If it is next game, you know, perhaps he just maybe slides into that line. Um, but if not, it kind of, you know, it gives you some options. You know, we saw Tyson Jost get the bump um, mm-hmm. when Boldy was out. Um, you know, I think if you want to try to kind of keep the identity of that line, maybe it could be a Delorier. Um, perhaps it's a Brandon Duhame. Um, but you also do have guys in Iowa, you know, your your Connor Dewars, your Marco Rossi's who maybe get a look too um, with Jordan Greenway out. So I guess my question is, let's assume Nick Delorier is still hurt, um, at least for the next game. Who would What would you guys like to see um, kind of in that bottom six um, and kind of how that would shape out? And, 
in terms of if we had to call someone up, I don't think they're going to call up Rossi, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, to me, I think it would be a Connor Dewar, maybe even a Mitchell Chafee, because he's been maybe Iowa's best player as of late. Um, maybe Mason Shaw, even. He's been playing really good, but I'd have to think about who I'd want paired together, but I think it would be one of those three to get called up. Yeah, I, I mean, I think any of those guys would be good options, uh, especially, like you said, Justin DeRord, they're a good play, but I, I think it's probably most likely would be Dewar, especially, I mean, obviously he's played 30 games here, and I think, uh, you know, it, you know, obviously they even they kept him up for even for a couple more weeks when he was being a healthy scratch, so I, I don't know, I think, obviously, especially since it's a fourth-line role, I think, uh, I mean, any of those guys maybe could play, but I think, uh, I guess, I, I mean, I would like to see any of them, but I think that's probably the most, I think it's more most likely that uh, you know, if assuming they do call someone up, that uh, it'd be doers because of the you know the fact that he's played here this year, and maybe that's kind of the role they want to fill. So. Yeah, I think you could roll out like a, mm-hmm. assuming Delore is out, the Felino Eck Duham, and then have like Jost, Bugestead, and Dewar. I mean, I could even see Jost jumping up to that line too because they wanted to maybe give him a chance at more offense so he could jump up into that line and move Duheim to the fourth line so uh, I think it would be a combination of those players though yeah so mm-hmm. definitely something to monitor I don't know if they have a, a morning skate or not before tomorrow's game but we'll see what those look like obviously if Nick Delorier is good to go I think he may be <laughs> you, see, you throw a line out there with Felino and Delorier and Eric Sinek that could be fun yeah. um, just like buckle up, you're just gonna get hit for three and three. I don't know, three straight periods. Yeah, um, and we know, you know, Delorean and Felino with some chemistry there, so that'd be something I I would think if he's ready to go, that's probably what happens, and you keep that Joe's Duhame Bugstead line together. Um, but also, if it's any one of those three on the fourth line, I could see bumping up two and then slotting in a doer um, on that fourth line. I think that'd be most likely. Um, yep. And then the last kind of thing we want to touch on here before we. Um, get into a little bit of a draft um is uh jake middleton who just is seemingly getting more and more comfortable every game um got his first goal with the wild um against st louis on a nice shot off the far post that goes in um picked up an assist that game as well i believe he had another assist in the la game i don't know if he had a point last night he did not um but you know we were kind of penciling him i mean he thought he might get like a susie type contract but um, Dom Lucision, who does contract projections for the Athletic, has him coming in closer to four million dollars, which is a lot. It's a number that could potentially be out of the Wild's budget. It could be potentially why they look to re-sign someone like Alex Goligoski at two million. Um, but to me, I mean, you just look at you know Goligoski really didn't work with Spurgeon this year. So if you come back with those six. You're probably not elevating Brodeen. You're not throwing two right shots with either Spurgeon Addison or Spurgeon Dumba. Kulikov and Merrill have both been tried there, haven't really worked. But like it seems Jake Middleton is the fit that they've kind of been looking in. It, it seems yeah. those two were, you know, have started to kind of learn each other's preferences, the chemistry. Middleton's come as advertised, the blocking the shots mm-hmm. with the physical play, um, clearing the front of the net and just being the perfect complementary piece to Spurgeon, who I think was has like quietly like it's like 15 some points in his last 20 games or something like mm-hmm. yeah um he's just Great. been able to have a little more freedom with that stability back there too so to me i 
you know, he he did mention, I believe it was after the was it after the LA game. Um, he said something on the lines of like, this is some of the most fun I've ever had playing hockey. So perhaps something like that, he takes the discount, you know, the wild, maybe are like, Hey, you know, your defense is great, but the offensive numbers are there. You're worth 4 million, yada, yada, yada. So I, I don't know where it goes, but just kind of want to get your guys thoughts. Just one on, on his play with Spurgeon and then two, just kind of, um, whether or not you, you hope he kind of fits into the future of this team as well. Well, I think, you know, just to start with his, I think, you know, obviously he's on an offensive defense, like you said, but I think he's definitely shown a couple of these games and he's gotten more comfortable. Obviously scored and had that one snipe off the post that led to the Bukestad goal. So I think, you know, he can move the puck well enough to where he can, you know, is, you know, like you said, fits in a top kind of pairing role like that, which has been nice to see. But obviously, you know, with, you know, he's in there to be the defense, be kind of, like you said, uh, just to compliment Spurgeon. So any offense you get as a bonus, but I think, you know, like you said, he's been, you know, he's been great. I mean, first game or two when he was here was a little bit rocky. I mean, obviously against Vancouver, that one puck bounced right off his stick right to a, for a Vancouver goal. But, you know, obviously you can just chalk that up to get comfortable with the new team and, and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's been, obviously he's been fantastic. He's not maybe necessarily the type of guy that, you know, that you're going to notice, obviously. But, I mean, you know, that's not really his job. And I think, quote he had, I think if he said in that. In my but, mind, if if you're – for this goes for ninety five percent of defensemen. If you're not yeah. being noticed in a game, that's a good thing. That means yeah. you're doing your <laughs> yeah. job. Yeah, unlike Jordy Ben, where if you are being noticed, it's a bad thing. But uh, but yeah, no, I think he had a quote that uh, after the LA game too, Brett, and that's the press conference where he's saying that you know he's in San Jose playing with Burns and Carlson. Like I think it was something like you know when I look over there, you know those guys would be way up the ice, and I'm back here, and he's saying with. You know, Spurgeon, while he, he built to be in the pair, does allow, like you said, him to Spurgeon to, you know, he it kind of, you know, they complement each other. It allows Spurgeon to maybe take more risks. You know, Spurgeon, that's just not his game. He's you know, obviously a great defender. And I think, uh, and, and I mean, I think our friend uh, Tony Abbott at the 10K Ranks wrote a great article this week about Spurgeon and how he's had bounced back and really had maybe the best season of his career this year. And, and, I, and like you said, I think that fits him really well. And, you know, obviously, it's I don't know for some reason I have a hard time imagining that they traded him or in trade Cat from and all this just without having at least an idea that they'd be able to keep him and you know I have a hard time imagining that with the small sample of Milton's career that you know he can really demand that much money but yeah. I mean you know I think that's again that's an offseason question and you know to be honest just looking right now it really just uh, it you know as you mentioned with their with moving Goligoski down and all that it just really solidifies their deep pair so uh, yeah and I, I think that's I don't know. I think that's maybe more of a, it's going to be a summer question answer, but I mean, for right now, you're right. I mean, there's, there's not much else to say. He's been fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope we bring him back. He's slowly become one of my favorites. He's just so solid back there. And we kind of speculated that he would jump in with Spurgeon just because of who he played with in the past. Um, I mean, he's making $725,000. No matter what, he's going to get a pay raise. I do think he probably is worth the $4 million. Uh, I do hope he takes something like two million, somewhere around that range. Uh, I do think we are going to try and keep him. Uh, I think it goes a long ways for players like Middleton and and maybe even Fiala to have, you know, that that chemistry where Middleton has the chemistry with Spurgeon. He's starting to develop it. It's going to even get better uh, the more they play together. And then Fiala and Baldy, maybe that that saves us a little bit of money hopefully maybe he wants to stay here play with him 
it's one of those things where you you hope they take these team friendly contracts. We're seeing more and more players do that with this team because they just love this culture, love the the players they're around. It's fun. It's I mean a great place to play. Probably one of the best crowds in the NHL. Uh, it's been mentioned before. It's, I forgot which player that got traded over here, but he was just saying I one of the top five buildings to play in. Uh, that all has to go a long way, and I would think if they want to stay here, they might take a little bit of a discount. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens with Middleton. Definitely a situation that um, one of the, you know, just adding to the list of of off season decisions that Bill Garrett is going to have to to make and weigh. Sure. Um, and again, it's really easy to think about. Well, if they just do this for next year, um, pretty much every move he makes has to take the next two years in consider into consideration. Um, one thing we didn't mention on one of the previous shows is there was an announcement that the cap will go up a million dollars next year, which that could go a long way for the wild. Um, we'll see what pans out there, but you have flurry, um, you know, as can you trade, you know, his kid is, what do you do with cam Talbot? Who's just, you know, acting like an alpha right now. We talked about top of the show, 11, Oh, and two in his last 13, I think playing great hockey. So just lots of decisions to make, um, you know, decisions that are tough because you have a lot of good players, which is never a bad thing. So, sure. um, but I mean, Hey, just, you know, if you, if you go ahead and win it all this year, you know, who really gives a crap right. what happens in the off season. So yeah, absolutely. Hopefully. All right. Well, uh, one last bit here to wrap things up, uh, on the show, we're going to bring back the draft. We'll try to kind of speed through this one. Um, but it'll be, if we were on the Minnesota Wild and we got to go on a road trip, youth hockey style, and we got to pick our roommates uh, for the tournament, who would we want our roommates uh, to be? Um, so we'll go with four roommates each, so a room of five. You know, it's three distance seem like quite enough. Five seems like too many. So we'll go with four roommates. Um, that like that gives twelve total players, among the three of us among um, the active roster here. So we'll we'll say like guys like Rossi Addison don't count. Um, guys that have been, you know, kind of been up the whole year. Um, the new, the newly acquired players um, can help here as well. So, um, how about you go first, Brett? Usually it's one of us. All right, I'll start. Oh man, <laughs> I, was, I wasn't prepared. I like I have a lot in mind. Um, I think I'm gonna have to go. With Matt Dumba. Um, if we're talking about, like, you know, if you want your room to be the fun room, like, where everyone's hanging out, like, who better than to bring the energy guy, the guy with the tunes, the guy that just freaking loves everyone, the engine of everyone. It's, it's got to be Dumba for me. Um, just seems like he'd be a great guy to hang out with. Um, and I think he'd really bring kind of the, the life of the party um, to everything. So I'm, I'm going to have to go Dumba. Um, there are a couple other ones that were close to me, but I just think between the music choice, the hype that he brings, the fun, um, it'd be, it'd be a great night if Matt Dumba was in the hotel room with me. Okay. So hmm, this is kind of difficult, but I think I'll, I'll go with Jordan Greenway. And, you know, I think we've seen, we've heard in the past, I don't know, if, yeah. you know, that he seems to be kind of another easygoing, fun guy in that way. Uh, you know, his, I don't know if he eats all the the pizza and the video games anymore. He's for sure he just, ordering uh, it. Like he's he's bringing yeah. the food. <laughs> yeah, he just I don't know. He seems like another one of the fun guys in the team that you know seems kind of chill, just has fun and, and all that. So I'll go with with Greener. All right, Justin, you get two here. 
there's three players I want, and I get two picks, so yeah. I'm trying to debate. I think the first one that I'm going to pick is Marc-Andre Fleury because you hear about all his locker room antics and pranks. I think to have someone in your in your hotel room pulling pranks would keep us on our toes and keep things fun. And then... It's between two right here, and it's really hard to choose. Does he go with his gut or does he go for the fan vote? You know, that's exactly what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in for my own fun, so I'm going to go with Marcus Foligno. (laughs) I just, great locker room guy. Just seems like he'd be a really fun guy to have in the hotel room. You saw that hotel room scare uh, video. yeah, I, I feel I, like he'd be the one to kind of like coordinate pranks. Like he'd be like, "All right, what can we do to what can we do to right. like mess around with dumbs? Like what can we do to, to kind of fuck around with this guy a little bit?" Yeah, I feel like he's he's the brains of that operation. That's that's yeah. the vibe I get. Yeah. All right, so um, after one pass, I've got Dumba. Zeke's got Greenway. Justin goes out to the turn with Mark Andre Fleury. Marcus Foligno. Zeke, it comes back to you for your next one. Hmm, yeah, so I completely forgot about the fan vote thing, so that's going to make it different. But hmm, <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe it's just because the you know the way he plays nice chaotic. But I'm going to go with uh, Delorier simply because he just seems like I don't know. He's in the fighting physicality. He just seems like a run through the wall kind of guy. I don't know. That All makes right. any sense, but for sure. No idea. No idea what to always like, but it seems like his teammates like him. So good pick. All right, I feel like for my next pick, if I have Dumba, I gotta have Jimmy. I've um, gotta bring his best friend into the mix because those two are gonna create some chaos together. So I'm going Jonas Brodine uh, for my next one. So I got Dumba and Brodine, and then uh, we're gonna really make things fun um, here. I think um, like if there was a guy on the Wild that I think would be incredibly fun just to get absolutely hammered with, it's gotta be Ryan Hartman. Um, like if I need the guy to just like fuck it let's do this i think that's gonna be hartman like yep we're doing it like if you like if everyone wants to be lame he's like nope we're going out we're doing some we're having fun i feel like hartman's gonna be the guy to do that combined with dumba and bro dean i feel like we're gonna have we're gonna have a great time and um i think hartman's just gonna do anything for you if he, he's like if you need you know, i feel like even if you need to be like a sober cab or some people are going out, i feel like he would do that like he'd be just to, to drop anything do anything you need type of guy but also just be really fun to hang out with so um, I'll go Hartman there. So I got uh, I got Dumba, Brodeen, Hartman, Zeke. Back to you with Greener and Delorier, and your uh, third pick here. Who, Justin, who did you have for your second one again? I just want to make sure. I have Flurry and Felino. Okay, I just want to make sure I did F's. Okay. Um. So let me see. I think uh, I'm gonna go with uh, you know with Matt Boldy here. Get a little bit of the young rookie in there. I think he's uh, been. Staying at Greenway's place seems, you know, seems to be another fun guy. Be a little more younger energy. Seems recently to, turned twenty one, so looking to experience all yeah, the fun oh, yeah. things, especially in Nashville too, which <laughs> yeah. has been a good time. But yeah, so I'll, I'll go with uh, with with Boldy here. All right, and Justin, it circles all the way back to you. You get to round out your room here. Um, with yeah, two my, last my, room, my room's gonna be pretty damn fun. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna have some some chemistry in this room. All right, so Flurry, <laughs> Felino, are you going next? I'm going to go Kaprizov and Zuccarello. I just feel like those two are yeah, just between the not weird wild videos and yeah. some of the <laughs> stuff you see on the bench and just in the locker room and press conferences. I, I feel like that would be a fun room to have those two in there with, with Felino and, and Flurry. 
Uh, disappointed you didn't take Fiala to round out the Fs, but I know it was. I could have gone. <laughs> I could have gone. Freddie Fiala, Felino, and Flurry. Would have been a good oh, four Fs. Freaking watched it. <laughs> yep. Um. So you wrap up your team. You have Flurry. Well, I mean, <laughs> the Fs are tying me up now. Yeah. Flurry, <laughs> Felino, uh, as well as uh, Kirill and Zuccarello. Zeke comes back to you for your fourth and final pick. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm trying to let's go here chemistry again. I'll do some of the thing. I'll take that Fiala for with the uh, chemistry with Matt Boulder there. You could have some wacky ass yeah. TikTok videos. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that fun stuff. So Seems you got be, uh, Fiala, Boldy, Greener, and Delorier. And then it'll come back to me for my final pick to join Dumba, Brodine, um Hartman. Hartman and my last pick. Jordy Ben. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Make your ass wait. Wait, he's gone. Ah, hmm. I feel like we gotta round it out with Johnny Merrill. Um I feel like um, that guy just gotta be a good time at parties, like the hair, the stash. Like you pair him and Ryan. I feel like you have him, Hartman, Brodeen, and Dumba in the same room and things are gonna get crazy. Like I'm looking for pure fun out of my room. Like I just yeah. wanna be entertained by these guys. And I feel like those four are gonna give me an absolute show. So um, that's where I'll wrap up. So to recap the teams, room one, it's myself, Matt Dumba, Jonas Brodeen, Ryan Hartman, and John Merrill. Room two is Zeke, Jordan Greenway, Matt Boldy, Kevin Fiala, and Nick Delorier. And then room four is Justin, Marc-Andre Fleury, Marcus Foligno, Kirill Kaprizov, and Matt Zuccarello. So uh, we'll have a poll up. You guys can go in and vote. I would absolutely love to hear which four players you think would be most fun to, it could be a road trip, a a hotel room, whatever, a night out on the town, which which four wild players you'd like to do. Um, Be a tough one for me. It's, there's just so many good personalities in that locker room. Um, You got to know too, like with, with your, uh, what was your last pick again? Merrill. And if, even if you get like a Spurgeon, you know, you have many nets coming because of their kids. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that's where that's where Kirill Kaprizov is going to end up. He's going to be playing mini. Oh, yeah. Everyone else will be yeah, out yeah. at the bar, and Kirill Kaprizov is playing mini sticks with the kids. Yeah, hey, I'll take my kids' <laughs> mini sticks away for a night for that. <laughs> hey guys, sorry. Wait, actually, I'll, I'll bring my kids. They'll do some wacky shit. <laughs> All right. Well, that's probably a pretty good spot uh, for us to wrap up. On tap uh, next up for the Wild, a brief little road trip here. For the boys, they head out um, in the division, Dallas tomorrow night. Big, big game against St. Louis in St. Louis on Saturday before they get a little bit of a softball with San Jose, Montreal, Vancouver, Seattle um, through through next week. So um, that's what's on tap. The ones before next show, Dallas, St. Louis, San Jose, Montreal. So four games again before we chat again. Uh, but any final thoughts here for either of you here before we uh, give the final salutation? Yeah, I mean, I think I think from what I read yesterday, I believe their magic number to clinch a playoff spot is five. So, you know, that could happen as soon as Saturday afternoon against St. Louis, depending on if they win two times and if Vegas loses. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, pretty much you know, for me, I think this, by the time we talk next, probably have their playoff spot wrapped up and we'll be pretty much just fully focused. Not that that ever was in doubt, but fully focused At which point we may that. have to queue up Marco Rossi watch to see if they give him yeah. a couple oh, games yeah. down the stretch and Chance. give some guys some night off. And he still has seven games in the bank. So whether or not they use those at the end of the season or if they save him for an injury in the playoffs, 
yet to be seen, but I think we'll definitely see him, I think, probably play at least three or four games, I think, before the year's wrapped up. No, maybe especially against some of those softer teams, those Vancouver's, the the Mm -hmm. Montreal's, the Seattle's. um, Could be a good situation to to give him. He can play the final six games for all I care. I'm going to that Vancouver (laughs) game. (laughs) Uh, Justin, any final thoughts from you? No final thoughts for me, really, other than got to beat St. Louis on Saturday. Let's get this home ice. I know a lot of people think it's not very important, but if it comes down to like a game seven, I'd rather have the X crowd behind us than like St. Louis's crowd behind them. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, Justin, remind everyone where they can uh, find you and all your work. You can find me at DE's 2004. You can find me at Kaprizov C with the Kaprizov Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. And Zeke? As usual, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Zeke Boyat. And you can find me on Twitter at B underscore 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well at Sound the Foghorn. All one word, both on Twitter and Instagram. Some big divisional games on the road for the Minnesota Wild as they look to keep rolling. Dallas tomorrow night, St. Louis on Saturday before the schedule softens up a little bit with some weaker West Coast teams. Um, Matt Zuccarello on career point, 500 watch, and uh, the assist record as well. I think Kaprizov's coming up on that as well, so could be some milestones. And the goal record. Yep, so plenty of milestones to keep an eye on here. Could be a very fun show with all the things that could happen. Um, But that'll happen next Wednesday. And until then, this has been another episode of...